You're listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. It's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Thursday, the 18th of January, 2024. Um, on market day, we'll speak with Gemma Dale from NAB Trade on the day's market action, including her picks for 2024. But first to some economic news, because Australia's unemployment rate stayed at 3.9% in December. That's despite 65,000 jobs being lost, and it's because the participation rate fell from a record high. For more and to explain all of that and what it means for interest rates, I spoke with Craig James, the Chief Economist at Comsec. We've definitely seen a softening, a softening of the the job market. So, so no longer, you know, sort of we're going to see, you know, sort of the unemployment rate heading to towards three percent. More likely than not, in the next couple of months, we're, we're going to see the four to four and a half percent. There's not going to be a dra- dramatic deterioration in terms of the economy, but you know, definite softening, you know, sort of is is identified, and we are going to continue to see so, see that. So certainly. In terms of our view, we would be expecting the unemployment rate to drift up to somewhere in the order of four to four and a half percent. And uh, that will put less pressure on wages and less pressure on prices. If there was a big fall in the number of people um, in full time work, yet a rise in the number of people in part time work, what do you think? Is there any conclusion you can draw to the way businesses are feeling about their hiring intentions as we head into the new year then? Yeah, I think it's a case of uh, costs. Now businesses are looking to, to see their cost structure and uh, if they're finding it harder to pass on price increases, they've got to look very, very closely at their, their business uh, per se and, and determine, you know, sort of um, uh, are all the people, you know, sort of here justified, you know, sort of perhaps I can cut back in terms of my staffing numbers, perhaps I change from full-time employees to part-time or, or casual employment, but I think it is the, the case that the environment has tightened up you know, so much. Businesses are, are so much under pressure now. Earlier on, yesterday was a case that businesses saw input increases and they passed those on to customers. They can no longer do that now and they've got to look at their cost structure, which means looking at you know, sort of their, their, um, their workers, how they're employed, whether it's part-time or whether it's full-time. Finally, um, I know we've also got some important inflation numbers coming in a couple of weeks. What kind of implications will this all combined have for the Reserve Bank? Well, for, for the Reserve Bank, it would cement their expectations of leaving yes, the interest rates where they are for, for the moment. Now, uh, certainly it won't be jumping yes, just at one, one month's employment data. It will look for, for a trend before it starts to yes, determine what this means for, for interest rates. But a softening of the, the job market, perhaps you know, sort of um, in late January, we see a softening of the inflation environment, and that sets it up for the fact that the Reserve Bank would be on course to, to ease policy sometime yes, later in the year. We're still sticking to, to the view that inter, first interest rate cut is uh, likely to occur in the September quarter, probably yes, in September, and then we'll see some modest downturns in terms of interest rates after that. But um, certainly, yeah, sort of um, rate hikes, you could pretty much yeah, so take those off the agenda now. Yes, it's more the focus in terms of rate cuts. And we'll just have to assess the data, data by data point, you know, so over the next couple of months. That is Craig James here from Comsec. Let's now go to the Red Sea uh, implications in the conflict because there are fears it could re-inflate prices as shipping costs are passed on. 
Uh, researchers at Rabobank says agribusinesses may suffer, uh, especially canola exporters. But what does all of that mean for you and I and for consumer prices? Raina Bosch spoke with the Rabo Research ANZ General Manager, Stefan Vogel. Well, we're still in the infancy of the, in the whole incident because right now we see more and more companies diverting away from that Red Sea corridor. And that means with every ship that takes the route around Africa, we're taking an extra 10, maybe always 15 days of extra travel time on the books. And that vessel is then just not available to immediately ship the next one. And the more vessels do that, the less capacity is available in the market, the higher goes the rate, which usually means for us in Australia, we're on the one side heavily dependent on imports. And especially given that we're an island, pretty much everything comes in by a container or by a bulk vessel, if you're talking about some of the bigger goods, but also for the export side. A lot of what we're handling here, be it agri-products that are farmed, they usually make their way to the world market. And so the shipping industry is a very important one. We have seen those shipping prices go up quite a bit in the last six weeks. It's been reported today by Rabobank. This is, in fact, having an impact on agriculture. Can you talk us through that more broadly and what it means in terms of the consumer? Absolutely. If we're starting on the agri side, first of all, we're importing quite a bit of uh, inputs for our farming sector that can be fertilizers, for example. Some of them obviously have to go through that uh, canal because they come from Europe or even from North America and partly go through the canal. But largely for the fertilizers, we're actually fine because a lot of the fertilizers come more from the Asian market and other parts and are not impacted directly by that Red Sea conflict. Still, it might get a little bit more expensive because we have to pay for those volumes. If we're thinking as a day-to-day consumer, pretty much everything we're touching these days somehow has products in there or is completely imported. And with that, we somehow have to think that also here, the consumer is the one that has to pay those higher prices. Right now, it's still in the early days. And if you compare it to where we started the the shipping crisis, maybe in 2021 with the COVID issues and, and all these disruptions we've seen at that point in time, Right now, container rate um, index has about doubled in the last six weeks. That sounds a whole lot. But compared to the 2021 window, we're still about three times lower, even partly four times higher, lower than those very high levels we had at that point in time. So for consumers, it's a bit of a concern that the costs could get up because at the end of the day, we need to pay for those input costs and those shipping costs. But overall, it is not as severe as it was at that point in time. But the situation in the Red Sea clearly can escalate further. Um, Every day there are new developments and if it gets worse, it gets probably more expensive for us here. As you mentioned, escalation still very much possible. In terms of consumer prices, you said there that they could be driven up as a byproduct of this. Is inflation then a concern? Well, I think inflation has been a concern for us for quite a while. Clearly, RBA is trying to fight inflation with these increased interest rates that all of us feel that have to pay a mortgage. Um, right, right now, the obvious idea in many of many in the market is inflation will hopefully come further down. And with that, maybe also we see later in the year some of those interest cuts. Now, if the shipping situation would really escalate a whole lot, um, I think not only we in Australia, but many places of the world would have to pay some higher costs for those shipments. If it is enough to keep the inflation levels escalated to a point where RBA wouldn't cut rates anymore is probably very far from certain. So I'm not saying that we have to fear right now that inflation goes back to where it was. 
But those higher shipping costs are one of the factors that can make life in Australia more expensive and drive inflation a little bit in the other direction that you want it. Um, so we need to see how it evolves. And clearly, uh, right now, it is not severe enough in the Red Sea to really drive us to those levels. We need to see more and more shipping companies actually divert from that canal and take more time. Only then we would see those shipping rates go further up. Right now, as mentioned, we're still three times cheaper than we were in 2021. Stefan Vogel there speaking with Rainer Bosch. Now, Market Day on the SBS On The Money podcast. To the Australian share market now, which did fall, the S&P ASX 200 off by 0.63%, 7,346. I think the market's down about 6% so far this year, despite having a very strong run-up from late last year. To tell us more, I spoke with Gemma Dale, an analyst at NABtrade. Let's talk the international factors. Globally, the market's being influenced by shifting rate cut bets, not whether or not if it'll happen, rather when. So overnight, the UK inflation rate was stronger than expected. The US economy is still doing well. I think there were some retail sales in the face of high interest rates. So what now? Yeah, this is this is where it's really, really getting interesting. So we had Fed Governor Waller come out a couple of days ago and go, settle down, everybody. <laughs> like you're pricing in six or seven cuts this year. We have no intention of doing that unless there's really, really rapidly deteriorating data. So they've been explicit that they're planning in the US anyway to pace out rate cuts as necessary, not to rush into this. They don't see a need to cut aggressively. The market was well ahead on that. They were very much pricing in aggressive cuts this year and a little bit disappointed clearly that that's not going to happen. So you can see the share market falling away quite rapidly this year already on the back of that news alone. Uh, UK inflation stickier than expected, 4%. That's higher than anybody is comfortable with. You can't really cut in a hurry in that environment. And now we've just abandoned our call for or another increase. Well, we were thinking there may be another cre- increase in February. Now we're thinking there'll be cuts, but later in the year and no more increases. You know, it's not coming as fast as people were hoping. Interest rates isn't the only global theme happening at the moment. We've also got geopolitical tensions, one of the, the latest ones, those tensions in the Red Sea. To what extent do you think it's unnerving investors? This is really interesting. I mean, the biggest issue always is oil prices, particularly in that region. And at the moment, there hasn't been a dramatic impact. And we have seen the International Energy Agency in Davos saying, look, yeah, we expect comfortable and balanced oil markets for this year, unless there's an increase in geopolitical tensions at the moment. You would imagine they would call those increases in geopolitical contentions, but they're not concerned and the market seems to be fairly comfortable with it. Supply hasn't been impacted in terms of production. The biggest issue is going to be actual supply costs in terms of shipping and so on, but at the moment it's not really filtering through. Can we talk BHP and China, China in particular? The nation saw GDP of 5.2% last year. That was announced yesterday. It was a touch softer than expected. Today, BHP saw iron ore output up 5% quarter on quarter. I think it follows Rio Tinto also having some really good production numbers a few days ago. Um, What do you make about all of this, the iron ore moves? Because I think the iron ore prices have come off its recent highs also. And what do you make of China's road out of the pandemic? Yes, the iron ore price is fascinating. It has come off a little recently, but it had that extraordinary rally into the end of the year. I mean, the numbers were just unbelievable, really. And, you know, we see Treasury every single year factoring in an iron ore price of, you know, 55 US dollars a tonne, and then it's 
double or sometimes triple that and we all have a lovely couple of days thinking that we're doing very well. Uh, certainly BHP and Rio and Fortescue have a lovely couple of days feeling they're doing very well. So Australia's iron ore manufacturers are highly profitable. Yeah, their production's looking fairly strong at the moment. That's all pretty positive and the price has come back a touch but not a great deal. When we look at China, the story is just nowhere near as strong as everyone was hoping, right? The reopening story just didn't come. And because it was weaker than expected, there were really high hopes of bazooka stimulus, as we like to call it, and that hasn't happened either. There have been sort of modest attempts to stimulate the economy, but the biggest concern, and this is a global issue, is that the weakness has been in the property market. It's really fallen off a cliff, an 8% fall. What do you do? Do you throw a ton of money at that but then exacerbate exactly the same issues over the last decade of people piling into a market that was already massively overpriced? Hard to say, it's a difficult one. So I don't think we anticipate that stimulus coming anytime soon and it's making investors very cautious about China. You can see that in their share market, which is at a five-year low now. Finally, this is the first time I'm speaking to you this year, so I'm keen to get your um, uh, tips, I guess, on where you see the opportunities for investors in 2024. Oh, we have this question a lot at the moment. Investors really... You can see very clearly investors sitting on the sidelines waiting for an opportunity. The strongest thing I would say about what investors are feeling, it's a combination of anxiety and patience. They're mostly waiting for markets to come off in order to invest. We can see that really clearly. I think investors are feeling that there's still a lot of pockets of the market where quite clear headwinds like challenges for the consumer have just not fed through into prices and they're not willing to put market put money into the market at some of these prices. We're seeing, you know, CBA touching all-time highs. We're seeing a lot of prices really, really high at the moment in the share market. And so they're reluctant to run after that. US market, again, coming back toward all-time highs. So I think most investors are waiting for an opportunity to buy and it hasn't presented themselves itself yet. And I think I wouldn't suggest that's a bad strategy. You might want to wait a little while. That's Jim Adale there from NAB. Uh, we've got one more podcast to go tomorrow, Friday, uh, until we take a bit of a break uh, for two weeks. The truth is I'm going away on holiday. So um, one more podcast tomorrow and then the SBS on the Money podcast will return in full from February This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. (laughs) 